It's just a bunch of witty banter. Just like Papa. What's up, everybody? You're listening to Witty Banter, the world's greatest podcast ever conceived. Of course. How are you doing, Goofy Goblins? I'm your host, Chase Williams, and to my right is the beautiful Hunter Dorsett. <laughs> Hello, I am beautiful, and Chase, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing fantastic. It is a Sunday right now in Austin, Texas, about 2 p.m., and the Correct. sun is kind of shining. Yeah, it, it, it seems like it's a beautiful day, but then when you actually sit out and look at it, you're it's like, a ah, it's a it's a lukewarm day. day. Yeah, it's a tepid day for those SAT we're, words. We're sitting, we're sitting right here in front of the big old window as a customary Woody Banter tradition. Yeah, actually, well, this is the first first time that we're doing the uh, the podcast over in this side of the of the house. Yeah, so we're all settled into the house, by the way, guys. In case you were wondering, Chase just got some new equipment. Now he's looking super legit. I have a pop filter on <laughs> my microphone, so it's not like PlayStation. <laughs> Box poop. It's terrible. <laughs> so we got that going for us. We're uh, trying a, a new area of the house that we think might be our kind of mainstay. As yeah, far we as wanted to we see like how the feng shui our... was over here. It's not the Zen is nice. It know? is. We got an American flag behind us. <laughs> the beer fridge is close. I forgot by. about that. And the Deutschland scarf underneath oh, to yeah. kind of just you know sh- celebrate our travels. <laughs> yeah. Look how cultured we are. We're so cultured. We bought scarves. <laughs> <laughs> So this is episode 25, which is an exciting number. Yeah, I like that number. It's a, a quarter of the way to 100. Quarter century of, of episodes. That's nice. Banter Nation. Mm-hmm. Um, every episode we review a beer, in case you didn't know, and the beer that we chose today is going to be very interesting. Yeah, we, we decided, again, this, this season we wanted to kind of like open up our, our options as far as things we were willing to try, and Chase, like prompted this beer and initially i kind of just laughed it off but then well, i was like exactly you know the reaction you i wanted what? yeah you know what that's like kind of what we're going for is like i want to laugh this off but then actually try it and hopefully maybe be surprised by it so um the beer we're trying today is from wells brewery and it is banana bread beer yeah it's the banana beer yeah. and it is a um 5.2 percent alcohol and it looks like it's just a just an ale. This is a product of England. Yeah, it's from England. That's and um, I just poured mine up. So, Hunter, while you're pouring yours, I'll I'll talk about it. It's super filtered. It It's about the color of just amber. It's really not too dark, which I expected it to be dark. And it doesn't have much of a header. Now, on the nose, oh, my God, this smells fantastic. Does it really smell good? It kind of smells like banana bread. If you, <laughs> if you, who would have, if you could imagine. You could seriously you know, think of that. <laughs> So I'm gonna go in for the first taste right here as Hunter exposes his um, his look. It looks like uh, it's not very filtered. You can see pretty much right through it. Um, or no, that means it's very filtered, right? Yeah, that's very. very yeah, it's very filtered. Um, yeah, it's been a while since I've actually used that terminology. <laughs> uh, so yeah, very filtered. You can see right through it. It's kind of like a what would you say that is like an orangey, like an orange. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I just tasted it. It's pretty damn good, dude. Really? Is it interesting? It's like, you know how they put, I think they put walnuts and stuff in banana bread as well. Mm-hmm. It kind of tastes to me wow. a little more on the walnut side of the banana bread. Okay. On the banana bread I didn't really spectrum. know that walnuts were on the spectrum of banana bread. Yeah, because they're, they're like little asteroids that you'll find in the space of banana bread. 
Okay. And that's what I'm picking up the most. It's super thin. As it's in, light? Yeah, like, it's very easy to drink. It's actually really refreshing. <laughs> yeah, it's it crisp is. and cool. Because, um, you know, when you have these beers that are have these kind of staunch tastes that they're harking on, you know, like banana bread or fruit, you know, like grapefruit, you, you kind of hope that there's still going to be beers at the end of the day. It's not just going to be like a fruit juice with alcohol. Yeah, overpowered on the one flavor that you get. And this is still a beer. You know, it's not like... Like, you definitely taste the banana portion, I'd say, more than the bread right. portion, necessarily. <laughs> like, I get bread. a, like, on the tip of the tongue, I get the banana punch. Uh-huh. But it's not overpowering, and um, it's a light beer, you know, it, it, it's refreshing, and I like it, you know? Right out of the bottle, it's good. Yeah, the, the flavor of it is kind of low-key, so it's not hitting you in the face. And I think me and, <laughs> I don't know if me or Chase, either I or Chase have ever tried a beer in this realm. So uh, we don't have a whole lot to compare to. So and, uh, we're not professionals, yeah. if you haven't guessed. By yeah. the other 24 episodes, we're like, hmm, this one tastes good. Yeah, after we, you know, we had Chase's friend Chris, who he used to live with. He's like 28, and he, like, brews his own beers and stuff. So he knows a lot about it, and he likes listening to our reviews and stuff. And he just ripped us apart. Yeah, right well, now. no, like, he didn't rip us apart, but, like, psychologically, I was like, dang. Because he was talking about the beer review process, and the last beer that we had, we gave it like a 6.5 communally. Right. And he gave it a 7.5, not because he thought it was better, but because he was like, for an ale, for this type of beer, I think it's good. And I was like, dang it. I need to start taking that more into consideration. And here we go with a banana bread beer, and I have nothing to compare it to. Hey, whatever. (laughs) I like that, though. It's just two doofuses drinking beer and trying to be good about it. Yeah, hopefully people will find value in that. Okay, so Hunter, before we go in to the news, I wanted to bring this up. Have you seen on Facebook how... Like, my news feed is destroyed with these ice bucket things. Yes. What is this? Okay. Now, like, there's a celebrity. Like, everyone is doing this. So, did – I mean, do you honestly not really know what's going on with it or – I don't I, – Because essentially what it is is it is a way to raise awareness for a – I think a disease called ALS. Okay. I don't – I don't know what that is. And that's that's what I kind of find is so funny is whenever I see all these things in my newsfeed, you know, it is raising awareness for ALS. And I heard it's actually doing, like, some really good work as far as, like, raising money. Oh, it's I heard, got like, to with how big the reach is. I heard know? before, like, if you c- did a cutoff before that viral video started, before they had only raised, like, $20,000 or something in a year for that cause, and now it's, like, almost $2 million. Yeah. It's like Well, that's outrageous. Yeah, which is great. Again, I still don't know what AL yeah. <laughs> is. So, so it's raising awareness, but not raising. Yeah, awareness. it's raising pseudo awareness. But I, uh, I even I'm like standing in lines to go like order a ticket or something at the movie theater, and someone's just like talking about ice buckets. And yeah, like, Dude, this thing is everywhere, and it's crazy because what happened is it really shows you the interconnectedness of the internet and everybody that uses it because. I got to see kind of trends as far as like, oh, well, it reached this group of people now. Yeah. And and it even got into the celebrities. So like it would reach an athlete and an athlete would, you know, talk to like two other athletes from different sports and one celebrity actor or something. And then they would like branch out. The creator of Minecraft recently did it. Yeah. Mark Zuckerberg did it. Did he? Yeah. Well, screw him. Making me download the messenger app. In fact, no, yesterday, yesterday I got challenged uh, about five, 
And so I might have to do it. I think I might have to because I feel like if I don't, you don't want to be a Scrooge. Right. I I really. And if I didn't do it, it wouldn't be because like, I don't want to support this cause. It would definitely be because I just forgot and didn't care. But like forgot (laughs) and didn't care. Well, I I don't care about (laughs) pouring ice bucket on my head. I mean, I know about ALS now and stuff. That's the point, Hunter. No one wants to pour ice on their head. But that's what's so funny is the idea is, is that you can either donate a hundred dollars to ALS or put this oh, ice bucket on your head. Oh, really? Because that's the challenge, is they're saying, I nominate you to do the ice bucket challenge, and if you don't do it within 24 hours, you have to nom- you have to donate like $100 Interesting. to the ALS fund. So it's almost like, do you want to donate $100 and be very good, or do you pretend just want to... that you donated <laughs> pretend, $100. <laughs> pretend that you're helping a cause by pouring water on your head. <laughs> that's hilarious. But uh, yeah, so um, that's kind of where, where that's been, and... Yeah, it's definitely caught fire. I think that in you know two or three weeks we will completely forget about it. But right now it's it's all the it's all the rave. It is all the rave. Okay, well I guess moving right along we can go ahead and hop into the to the news portion of our show. Okay, you you engaged? Are you ready? You I'm totally in? I'm totally down, bro. This is witty banter. <laughs> all right, um, you want to kick us off? Do you want me to kick us off? I want you to kick us off. Okay, cool. So um, I'm gonna kick us off. <laughs> so we're gonna do a quick fire each and a conversation peach each. As I understand. Yeah, my my peach is gonna be a little different. Um, news has been slow, and I agree. We'll I can't get... really find that much stuff that I'm really interested in. Exactly, and I don't I don't want to just like regurgitate a news headline on the show and then pretend to try to you know, talk about exactly. it. Exactly, uh, and uh, also like <laughs> it's weird because the the news sources that I find. I'll I'll want to talk about a topic, or I'll, I'll be looking for topics that I maybe can talk about and read articles on, and like I'll have a, a string of you know ten or fifteen news publications, and they all are talking about the same thing on yep. that day. And yep. you're like, why is everyone just riding each other's train? It's slow, it's man. Really weird. It's slow. But anyway, so the first one I thought it was just uh, kind of interesting to me. Uh, have you ever heard of the app Uber? Yes. Oh, thank you for bringing this up. Go ahead. I mean, I'm not going to talk about Uber specifically. I'm going to use okay. that <laughs> as a segue into what I'm talking about. But it's a, it's essentially uh, one of these like shared economy services, right? Mm-hmm. You have a ride sharing service. We even tried out um, Favor the other yeah, day. Favor, where <laughs> we were. Yeah, it didn't really work out in our favor because we're in our favor. That's funny because <laughs> that's uh, because of uh, what we bought didn't end up working, so we had to just do it ourselves yeah. anyway. But so Uber. Yeah, so it is a, um, you know, it's a ride sharing service, and there and there's becoming a lot of these. It's it's called like these shared economy apps, and there's anything from you know ride sharing to boat sharing to all this stuff. And now there's ideas in in place to maybe make it like flight sharing, where flight sharing. you know you have some pilot and they're already on their way over to this place, and if there's somebody else that's on their way over to that place, they can kind of just like charge you for how much gas it is and. You know, it's a shared flight. And so what, recently... They would charge the consumer? Or they would okay. charge the person that needed the ride for how much gas they were, con- like, proportionally consuming. Isn't that what their plane ride. tickets are for? Well, listen to this. <laughs> the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration or Association, yeah. ban, or ban, pre- recently banned uh, pilots from publicly offering seats on their planes in exchange for gas money. So stupid. This will affect startups like flight now, which, uh, flight now is an app. Oh, which, this frustrates me so much. Which matches people who want to fly small, uh, small with pilots 
and Airpooler, a company that describes itself as the quote-unquote lift of private planes. Um, it's basically just another obstacle. Yeah, no. Like, you know, it toward having these shared economy apps. Can and, I blow up real fast? Yeah, please do. I get really upset when the government gets in the way of these startups or whatever that sound like great ideas because they're they kind of in a viral way just go on their own. Right. And even using Uber as an example, Uber over in Europe is being like petitioned uh, there's like uh, taxi unions that go on strike because of Uber. Right. Um, the French government is like going to outlaw it. Jeez. And in my opinion, is if this app or whatever you're using is so good that all these other people are doing it, and it, they're doing it because it's cheaper than the other taxi services, then obviously it's better that for the overall community and society. And then the government has to step in and stop them because it's ruining these pre-meditated. Um, or unions and institutions, institutions yeah. that are already in place, you know, it's yeah. so stupid. It's yeah. just like, just let the new thing come in. And if it kicks out the old one, tough shit, I'm sorry, but yeah, this called, one works better. It's called advancement. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, at the same time, you, you kind of have to consider, um, safety regulations at the same time. You can't just, if you are the FAA and you're trying to think of what you think might be best for the general public safety, I think that's I can, just a cop out that they use, man. I mean, but dude, you can't just have like no name pilots who like may or may not have their license just offering up rides to people and being yes, like, I have a I private think, jet here. I, I don't think it bothers me too much because if like the consumer needs to realize that they're taking that risk, and if they take that risk and still go through with it, then it's on them. Yeah, but then I don't know. America is just so fueled by litigations and stuff, which is I can just see this being. Just ripe with litigations. If stuff were to go bad, or like say, say you were like on a on a, a flight from one of these ride sharing services, mm-hmm. and somebody that you were with like had a heart attack or something, then it's like, yeah, you don't necessarily think that the people would be pissed off at the people flying the plane or whatever, but you might get pissed off at their ability to be able to respond to something like that. Whereas you didn't have you flight have, attendants on there who's supposed to know this, that, and the other. And right, yeah. I mean, no, I understand. But so it, that I just thought that was interesting, you know, these this um, having these apps and services where people can share, you know, uh, and, and kind of benefit from each other, have a mu- mutualistic interaction. It's all fine and dandy, but then it's almost like every time one of these comes out, there is always that upfront, like, nope, not doing this. Yeah, it is so frustrating. Even in Austin with the taxis. I mean, people do the same thing with Uber. There was like a ban on Uber for a long Which time. Which is so dumb. And I think it's just now pushing through uh, to be allowed. I just don't get it. If, <clears throat> if the people are, or if a certain service is blowing up because the people are using it, why would you stop it, you know? Yeah, who knows, man. Okay, well, let's go ahead and bust into mine. This one's just kind Here. of... This one's kind of just a statement of fact, but it's a really, it's like a kind of monumental. Cool. So the PlayStation 4 has sold 10 million units, making it the fastest selling console of all time. And it is outselling the Xbox One 3 to 1. It's completely outselling them 3 to 1. 3 to 1. Jeez. Yeah, they're, they're destroying, man. So, like, if you could put three chase insights on why you think PlayStation has just kicked the butt of Xbox. Why would you what would be your best insights into that? And like Well, the first one is going to be like branding and messaging, 
when the play so like marketing maybe? when the PlayStation Four revealed and they said we're all about the gamers, right? They really haven't strayed from that, and they've proven it. Yeah, you know, over this past year, they have really showed that you guys want games on this system. Here they are, and, and that's just, badass. I like that. It's just been a downpour of games. And then on that same note, you had Microsoft who came out and just went with the whole TV approach mm-hmm. um, under different leadership than they have now. And everyone was confused. No one understood like what they were getting into, how it was going to work. Right. Um, and then going forward, they've had to completely do a 180 on all of that. People I talk to now still think of the Xbox as it was originally pitched. You know, they don't understand. <clears throat> I do too. Exactly. So that's a huge problem. Okay. Um, and I guess the third final reason is Microsoft is just playing catch up right now. So the momentum is not on their side. Um, and I th- they just sort of have a bad a bad rep right now. Right. And Gamescom over in Germany was just re- just recently went on, and I will say that the this the sort of the jargon that's going around w- with announcing games and using the word exclusive mm-hmm. has gotten to be a little out of hand, in my opinion. Right. Even in this last week, as I'm reading, you know. Certain companies will grab a game like Call of Duty or Destiny, and every time there's a commercial, it, it is like on Xbox One or whatever, on PlayStation 4, and it makes it look like that game is only for that, even though mm-hmm. it's not. Right. Well, now, the way that they're using the word exclusive, they're using it everywhere. Like, almost everything is some sort of exclusive, like a, hmm. a, this ex- like a timed exclusive or a this exclusive. Which is confusing for people that don't really follow closely. It's confusing even for me, dude. Yeah. That's, what I'm, like, that's what I was getting at, is like, I'm mm. reading this news feed, and I can't tell which games are coming for what anymore. Yeah, that's... <laughs> and, and but then you know you go onto a, a, an upcoming release schedule and you realize that almost every game you saw is coming for both systems, right. even though it doesn't necessarily look that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the PlayStation came out; it was originally cheaper. Yeah, I was surprised you didn't say anything about price. Yeah, in your initial, that's, that's a huge analysis. one. I mean, now it's a little bit more even because you can get the connectless bundle. Yes, but the, I would say those are the biggest reasons so far. Yeah, is the connectless bundle? Three ninety nine. Yes. So it's five nine. It's four ninety nine with the connect. Yeah. Okay. And even well, in coming up um, in a couple months, there's going to be a Madden bundle that's three ninety nine with Madden and a Sunset Overdrive bundle. So you're essentially getting those games for free and the system for three ninety nine, which is pretty dang. cool. Yeah, I don't know. It just it seems almost like Sony. Yeah, just kind of like stuck to the things that they know. They did it right. They were man. just like, okay, this is the stream that we're going to hit, and we're just going to like follow that stream. And we're not going to stray from it. And it seemed like Microsoft had just as much... I felt like this last console war was kind of like open game between those two. It was like it was whoever, yeah. Yeah, whoever really asserts themselves here is going to have that foothold on the market. And it was weird because, I mean, I understood the Xbox's desire to make this home entertainment system. But essentially what they did is they strayed... They made a game console that strayed from games. In my opinion, is, they should have just made a separate device for all the TV that's, stuff. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's you like know? almost like an Apple TV sort of exactly. thing for the Microsoft. I think that would have been perfect. Been, that would have been great. It's, that would have yeah, been down, down for thing, that. Microsoft, go make the box. Yeah. But don't, don't try to combine them. I mean, if, you, if you're going to make a game console, make a game console. Yeah, you know? exactly. So I think, that, I think that their head was at the right place. I just think that I don't think that the market was ready to handle what they were offering. You know, I, I really don't think that it was something that should have been forced on people to necessarily, like, one, have the connect, and two, you know, 
this always online thing. Yeah, and the cloud streaming stuff, and just like I don't know, it just it was confusing. I think that the average person would have liked more simplicity, and I think that's what the PS4 provided. That's exactly. I think yeah, you're exactly right. And not, but what's interesting too, and what I really like is you know one of the latest Xbox ads. It's a speech from a Rocky movie where he's telling. I think Rocky's telling his son. Yeah, about getting beat or whatever, and it's like interesting that, that they use even Rocky because he loses in the first movie, and they're kind of acknowledging that look, we're the underdog right now. We know, but we're going to keep fighting, and I like that. I think we, right now you're seeing so much come to PlayStation 4's console because they they started off on the right foot, and you're seeing the benefits of that. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping within two to three years, with this fire that's been lit under Microsoft's butt, we're going to also see a huge downpour of, of great things to come. Really? Yeah. Because yeah. I know you're definitely hoping that because you have the Xbox. <laughs> hey, I've got a stake in it now, right? Absolutely. <laughs> but I've always, hey, I always cheer for the underdog. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I like that, that uh, the, the Rocky ad. Yeah, it was because cool. if you think about Rocky, it's like all that happens in those movies is his head gets beat to a pulp. Yep. <laughs> just like, uh. like, like a ridiculous amount of action. Just, <laughs> bah, 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 bah. and he's just like, Hey, I'm still here. <laughs> so I don't know. That's kind of, it's kind of funny that Microsoft chose to make that themselves. So, hey, uh, humbling. Yeah. All there right. Moving right along. Okay. So we moving on the peaches. Let's pick a peach, dude. I'm trying to pick a peach. It's from a piece a peach of pick a pretty cake. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So mine, it's kind of like a deep cuts. Okay. okay. It's kind of just like I was I was I happened to be browsing some articles to maybe talk about. One of the articles that I read, you know that I'm like a super futurist. I love thinking about the future. I love thinking about optimistic Optimistic. No, optimistic (laughs) possibilities with the future as far as like technology with pessimistic results. Yeah, right. With realistic understandings. But I like thinking about stuff that'll happen. 10, 20, 30 years down the road, how it'll affect our everyday lives and what we can look forward to in those different advancements. And so one of the things, it was an article basically like in 2050, these are the things that we think will be great about the future. 2050. Yeah. So that would be about 36 years from now. I'm stoked, dude. And um, one of the things that I read, and it kind of has to do a little bit with what we talked about in the car not too long ago. Uh, One of the things I read was talking about robots and it was talking about because we talk about robots often. I mean, no, we just, you know, we, we broached the subject at one point. But uh, it talked about robots. It talked about the idea that there is a high likelihood that we can have entire businesses oh, and industries okay. that doing. are completely run by robots. We could have, um, you know, like house helpers, assistants in the house that like kind of help you do whatever you want to do in the house with a robot. Yep. We have... The idea that we can have robotic scientists that are mass-produced, more efficient, work harder, work longer. Robotic scientists? Yes. You mean like robots that are doing lab work? Yes. Robots that are coming up when when working together in mass production are making outrageous breakthroughs faster than maybe even normal human scientists might be able to. And so the last thing that I saw that I thought was really interesting was uh, even robot companions. Robot okay. uh, relationships. Robot friends. Robot friends, robot relationships that you can have. You know, and I thought that was interesting because... So do you want to get my take on that? Is that Well, let me give cut? you. Well, let me give you the overall prompt. Okay. <laughs> if Fourth grade text. If we are still today, we're still 
prejudiced and have problems in everyday situations with homosexual interactions, with interracial interactions, with religious, you know, factions and stuff. Do you mm-hmm. think that when we have the ability to bring on robots as possible companions and or people that we could actually have relations with, do you think that the world would be ready to handle something like that? How do you think that people would respond to that availability. I think there would be an outrageous amount of back push, kind of like you're talking about. From conservatives, more than likely. Just from, you know, a variety of people who aren't... I mean, you yourself don't like the idea of virtual reality. And in a way... This, I think it's going to be scary. Exactly. And, and in a way, this is something similar because it's like a real friend who isn't real, you know? Mm-hmm. But I don't think that would stop it from happening. I think there's enough people out there who would be super amped about it. And at the end of the day, the people complaining and not wanting it to happen aren't the ones who own the manufacturing com- like factories that are going to make these things. Right. So I think it would eventually be done. Right. And, and you saw the movie Her, right? Yeah, I did. What, did you, uh, what could you maybe glean from what you watched about that movie as far as – you know, AI and humans. First of all, that movie was great. And, and I, re- I really want to watch it. Yeah. It, it really presented it in a, in a way that was like accessible and you weren't just weirded out the whole time. Right. And that's what a lot of people thought they would be is just weird. <laughs> and I guess in that regard, it's no, bear with me. Okay. It's kind of like wrestling. Hmm. It's real to me. Damn it. You know, <laughs> it's, you know, it, right. Yeah. Okay. It's like, it may not be real, but at the same time, if, so if it if it's like if it helps somebody have a friend or you, I don't know I don't know how it would go down I I wouldn't be would you be opposed to somebody I probably would <laughs> like it, it does freak me out a little bit yeah like I I'm okay with automation and you know if if we can make a robot that is doing stuff with 100 percent accuracy and he's right. gonna kick ass at this job mm-hmm. go for it but if it comes to artificial intelligence. That freaks me out. Yeah. That is something that I'm like, yeah, you really want to give something that's way more badass at everything than us, <laughs> a brain that's better than us too? Like, <laughs> And the thing is, is that not only, I mean, if you think about, not only would they have more capabilities, one, physically, and two, uh, you know, mentally capable, but they would probably have direct access to the internet with their minds. And so they would be able to host. They'd be freaking Watson. They would all be able to talk to each other and share data between each other, That's exactly what happens straight up online, and that is kind of scary because then they almost become one giant entity. Right, they're just it's a like giant a, brain. It's like a it's like a thing of ants, you know, like a big it, a it's hive like mind. Maybe one of them, one of them in, individually, doesn't ever really do anything that complex or that you know hugely valuable for the entire colony. But everyone together works as this one brain, and it's just <laughs> yeah. outrageous. If you watch a uh, you watch the thing about ants and how they work, it's really kind of fascinating. Kind of like in bees, too. But yeah, I just thought that was interesting because um, I think it's something that in our near futures, maybe about 20 years, 25 years or so, we're going to have to be able to approach... New moral questions are on the way, people. Yeah, right? And and one thing that was cool is they kind of made it out as like these robots, if if we do have this increased amount of automation where... um, we're, we're essentially outsourcing our work to be able to still be uh, benefited, you know? Like, we're, we're having these robots do stuff, and it's benefiting humanity. That will really open up a lot more time for, like, leisure activities, artistic uh, 
you know, creative processes for humans. Yeah, I'm all, and stuff. I'm all about that. You know, and if, that's great, in my opinion. If it can help other people, like if it can help people, you know, have more time to do the things that are going to better what they, you know, better their own personality or whatever, go for it. Yeah. What if you have some super antisocial guy who doesn't really know how to talk to people because he hasn't. And his robot ever... tells him is weird. He's yeah. like, look, dude, I'm here to talk to you, but I'm going to let you know that what you just said, like, you can't do that in public. Right. And yeah. that helps him other out. people. Yeah. That's you what know? I'm saying. Like, if, if they can glean some sort of actual positive insight, where is the line between he's just talking to a robot and he's actually gaining something from this other perspective, you know. And I just, I don't know, I just think it's going to be really interesting to see because all of our understandings and, and preconceived notions of robots is pretty like, I am a robot and it will be like this. <laughs> and, you know, like we, like we don't really understand how something that has a very legitimate source of artificial intelligence will interact with humans and if they will make certain... I don't know if it can even be created. But yeah, that's just. Me. I think it will, but I think it'll take you know a while and a lot of enhancement. I think it's going to cost a lot of money, you so, know, right yeah, out. So yeah. it's well, cool. it's still very far down the road. But yeah, just something, just some food for thought, some banana bread to chew on. Cool question. Um, oh yeah, I like how that's a sort of deep cut esque. Yeah, deep cut is. Uh, we'll, we'll eventually we got to brandish that segment sometimes. Okay, so for my conversation, Peach, I really don't have, like, a news item to do. Um, instead, what I decided to do was create a list of my top five most anticipated games within the next um, coming, like, six to eight months. Okay. And the reason I really wanted to do that was, you know, at the end of Gamescom, like I was talking about, and there was all these PlayStation news, and I was ex- I was confused by what's exclusive and what was not, right, and I really right. had, like, a mini panic attack. <laughs> I was like, well... I think I chose oh, the wrong. No. I think I chose the wrong console. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. And the biggest reason I, I I thought for that was you know you have all this news about PlayStation, all these cool games that are coming for, it. and then on Xbox, you know what what I'm looking forward to is is like the Halo Master Chief Collection, and then Halo a year from now, and I'm like, wow, is what I'm looking for only a remade game, and is my biggest anticipated game only a year out? I was kind of worried about that myself. Four year, right? You know, and, sake. And so it made me really disheartened. But after kind of sifting through everything and realizing that everything isn't an exclusive and some things are and I won't get to play them and that's fine. That's how it always is. Right. Um, at, at the end of the day, every game that's being announced is probably not going to come out for two and a half years anyway. And really? Not, yeah. Like some of the new, like the newest ones, like this game called Wild had a trailer. And when like you don't show any gameplay in a trailer, it means that they're not ready to show gameplay and there's still yeah. a lot of development to go on. And so I didn't want to trade promises for promises, essentially. Right. So that being said, I kind of buckled down. I was like, all right, well, let's have like an Xbox-centered mind and let's, um, let, like, let's see what's coming out and why I'm excited and, and really realize that it's okay to have an <laughs> Xbox, you know? <laughs> okay, okay. So let me, let me just try and understand. So yeah. for a preface, are these your... Most anticipated games? These are mine. And my these personal. are either Xbox exclusive or dual platform? Yeah, that's so kind it's, of the only way it could work. But it, it's not PS2. It's not PS exclusive. Yeah. These are just straight up games that you will be able to play. These with are games that I want to be able to like, will or <laughs> These are games that I will be able to play and want to play. Okay, great. In a list. All right. 
So we're going to start with number five, and I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit at length about this one just for a moment. So number five, I put Laura Croft, Rise of the Tomb Raider. Surprising. And the reason I did that is, so the original, the Laura Croft reboot that happened about a year and a half ago got a lot of critical praise. Um, it featured like a really strong female role as the center, like the way Laura Croft was done wasn't like over sexualized and it was really good okay well written and at gamescom it was announced that this new so e3 rise of the tomb raider was announced this game i'm talking about and okay. it had this like righteous trailer everyone got excited at gamescom xbox announces that it's a timed xbox exclusive hmm. and which is a huge grab for them because yeah. tomb raider is a very big franchise right now and it still is just because of that that last reboot game. That last wow. reboot game like really, really got people. I remember it being big when Angelina Jolie was acting in it for it and stuff. But <laughs> yeah, I, I, remember, mean, I didn't know it was big now. It's yeah. always been like a popular series, and they recently really revived it. Okay. And so a lot of PlayStation gamers were really up in arms and felt betrayed by it. And, mm. and I, I guess rightfully so. I mean, I think that Xbox gamers kind of felt the same way when, when Bungie went and made Destiny and it wasn't on Xbox anymore. Yeah. De- Bungie was, you know, always Xbox and, and so on. Right. But to that point, I wanted to bring up a few, um, like, bullet points about exclusivity and why sometimes it makes more sense for a company to be an exclusive. And, and especially since we talk about exclusives so much on this show, I thought it would be, like, a little beneficial. Okay. So when Microsoft goes to like Square Enix for this exclusive, um, this exclusive deal, they can supplement the game development in a variety of ways. They okay. can either A, give money straight to the developer and at the end of the cycle to really help out with the budget, help them finish the game, get it out on time. Okay. They can, either, they can also send their own um, in-house developers to go on and help them with maybe any problems they're having, bringing it to the system or any development problems they have. They can basically bulk up their development team for free. Damn. Without you know? taking any of the claim? Well, yeah. I mean, the claim is the ex- exclusivity. Okay. They can also um, help with marketing. They could do all the marketing for it, which means it might actually reach a greater huge, audience. Huge, yeah, for Microsoft. And at the end of the day, too, um, I think it costs a percentage for a game to even, like, if, if your game's going to be on Xbox or PlayStation, it's like both companies are going to take, like, a little bit of a cut right, of every course. time they get a sale. Yeah. Um, they'll actually lower that percentage cost. If it's exclusive? If it's exclusive. So hmm. what you have, and, and then it could also be a combination of any of those things. It's not, not always just one or the other. So what you have is maybe, maybe Square Enix now gets a budget boost to finish the game, mm-hmm. advertising push, and they're going to make more money per game sold because the percentage is lower. Okay. Right? Right. And then what they also get is since it's a timed exclusive, they get to relaunch on another console. So Damn. when it comes to PlayStation, they get to, they get to do the Game of the Year edition with all the DLC and games typically sell the most amount of copy, copies on the day that they come out or right. like the, in the coming weeks. Uh-huh. So they basically get to have two launches, which is why it would be in Square Enix's um, interest to have exclusivity. So when you say a timed exclusive, you mean that it's only exclusive toward Xbox for a li- for limited a, amount of time. For a given amount of time. But then they can go launch on like PlayStation? 
or so PC essentially or, just double their audience after they've already kind of tested the market for this thing. It's like we get we get a um, a bigger budget for development, we get free advertising, we get a game launch, and then a year and a half from now we get to launch again with advertising again, and then we go. That's crazy. Know, Can I ask you a question? Yeah. W- have you heard of um, game developers that ne- that kind of straddle the two um, exclusives? As far as like maybe I'll make a game, uh, you know, exclusive to Xbox for this game. But then I'm the game developer, and I make another game, and I'm going to make this one a yep. PS4 There's a perfect exclusive. example. Insomniac okay. Games has been through and through a purebred Sony-exclusive developer just machine. Okay. And their newest game is called Sunset Overdrive, and it's coming out exclusively for Xbox. What do you think might be the... I mean, I feel like it's almost just like uh, it's business, you make dude. it like a battleground, essentially. I think we make it a battleground. I think us fanboys, and me in particular... And honestly, after this segment, I'm going to really try to get away from, like, the um, partisan mindset of these two things. Right. Um, but these, these developers, they're companies. Yeah. They're companies. Right. And all they give a shit about is profit. And exactly. And so if one, one side of the, of the fence is going to make them more money, that's what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. And that's a, lar- that's a big reason why Bungie is so um, in bed with Sony with Destiny. Uh, I, I was listening to an interview, and the guy was talking about, you know – how some Xbox players felt burned because they're so heavily with Sony now. And he right. basically, the metaphor he used, he was like, if I was going to go into multiplayer, like a competitive multiplayer game, mm. I would want the best person on my team. And that's what we feel like we did. Damn. So whatever, you know, okay. whatever, whatever happened that was going to be more beneficial. Interesting. All right. So you're going to move to number four? Yeah, moving right along. Number four is a game called Below. It is from a developer called Capybara Games. And Capybara, the game that... I know them for, and you've actually played, is called Sword and Sorcery. Okay, yeah. On the iPad and the iPhone. Yeah, it's an app. Mm-hmm. And it's very, it, it was like um, 18-bit graphics, super good music, goofy writing. Interesting this, gameplay. Yeah, this this new game below um, is, is sort of inspired by o- old roguelike games where each dungeon is procedurally generated, so they're all different. If your hero dies, a new hero comes, and you have to find like the old hero's body in order to retrieve your things, much mm. like Dark Souls um, did. Interesting. And the art style is really pretty. Um, I suggest that you go look up at least a couple screenshots or like a gameplay trailer for Below because it looks it looks really cool. Um, and it's just a small like bite sized game. Alrighty. Number three is going to be the Halo Master Chief Collection. Um, <laughs> what? Well. I- I really kind of don't understand this thing because I almost just look at it as relaunching the same game that got launched for Xbox. So with a, better graphics, a lot right? of I mean, a lot of games are doing this where it's like a remastered edition. And honestly, what it is is it's a way for companies to monopolize backwards compatibility. Okay. Because these boxes can't play old games anymore, right. so instead they're going to upres them and then sell them back to you. But it's still going to be an Xbox exclusive, right? For oh, absolutely. Halo. It's okay. fucking yeah. Halo, right? Okay. What's so cool about the Master Chief Collection is that it includes every map ever created for a Halo game. So you have over Jeez, 100 maps. That's a bunch. Um, every campaign is redone with 1080p graphics, 60 frames a second with new lighting. Like, they, they went in and they've, like, hand-done every... It, it has taken them two years to remaster these. So it's yeah, not the cutscenes like I saw were intense. They're incredible. Yeah, they hired an outside studio to do CG cutscenes for all the cutscenes. Damn. You can now play Halo 1 multiplayer on Xbox Live, which has never been possible before. 
Halo 2 multiplayer will be online again, which has been gone for four or five years now. Jeez. It's it's basically every Halo fan's wet dream. Yeah, it's just like, it's almost like a best of. It's exactly It's what just it like is. compiling all the things that that everyone loved about Halo, putting them all in one spot and letting all the Halo fans just get at it. And with know? it, you get the Halo TV series Nightfall, which is like a five or six episode thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also get access to the Halo 5 beta, which okay. is what I'm probably most excited for. But there's not going to be a new campaign, is there? No. It's going to be the same campaign, I'm guessing. It's all the same campaign levels, but now you can actually um, compile them into playlists through this Master Chief collection. So you say... Your favorite levels were all the Warthog levels on all the Halos. Well, okay. You can make a playlist with every Warthog level from every game and just Jeez. play them all in a row. That's crazy. It's really cool. Yeah, it's, it's really, really customizable. It's fun. That is cool. Number two is a game called Project Cars. And if you've heard this show, you know I'm a fan of driving games and just racing in general. Yeah, it was an accident. <laughs> Racing in general, and this game looks like it's probably going to be one of the best driving simulators to have ever come out. Um, I was watching an interview at Gamescom where they had this GP2 driver, and he he's basically worked with the development studio. Give, he's driven over 70 of the cars, and he knows how they handle, if it gets new brakes after a year or so, how it breaks now. He's raced all the tracks that are in there. Yeah, They have the largest track... Um, offering of any racing game that's ever come out. F1 tracks, they have F1 cars. Uh, They've worked like a super long time on these. Like, so when you, like when you accelerate the Uh way the camera pulls back as if you're like feeling the G forces. Yeah. Like the inertia is pushing your back. Also, like if you're in cockpit view, they blur out the rest of the like the inside because your eyes aren't focused on that. Right, the periphery. And if you like look to your left at your like your um, your mirror, that will focus, and everything else will go out of focus. They've... So, like, essentially, you're driving. <laughs> it is. It, it looks like one of the most realistic racing games I've ever seen, and I am just giddy about it. And so, what is it called again? Project Cars. So, Project Cars. Do you think that it'll be? I mean, because you really like Forza, right? You're a Forza fanboy? Yeah, and this game already looks like it's going to put Forza to shame. That's what I was kind of wondering is if you think... I mean, it sounds like some of those things might not necessarily be offered in Forza, but they kind of are like... Like, the Forza cockpit view is still pretty outrageous. Oh, it's awesome. good. It's good. So, yeah, I guess I'm just... Uh, things just... Things that this one's doing better is it looks a little bit crisper, looks a little bit clearer because I've had more time to develop on this new hardware. Also, um, Forza is notorious for not putting weather effects in or daytime. Mm, okay. Or, like, day and night. And this one will. This one will have day and night and dynamic. Night racing would be fun. Dude. And they even said the way they approached night racing was, like, old Resident Evil games hmm. where the only thing that you had was a flashlight. And they looked at how, like hard it is to see with a flashlight and how your headlamps are actually just flashlights. Right. They, they went in, in depth. It was really cool. Yeah, that's Everything crazy. they said about this game on every app, it was like a 20-minute interview. Right. It sounded like real racing. Everything, they got it all right. You Great. Know? Awesome. All right, so the big kahuna right here. Raise me to number one, um, September 9th, Destiny. I, okay. And what's funny is, you know, when we were doing this show up in January, I wasn't very impressed with Destiny. And I've heard you go back and forth with your Destiny, you know, anticipation. Right. And so we saw the the beta recent release, and I watched a lot of beta footage, and it it it's not the prettiest game, but it's also probably one of the most um, ambitious that we've seen in a while. Okay. And you know, large maps kind of cut down on what you can do, but what really got me was the character creation screen. 
Okay. So I'm a huge like role playing nerd. I, right. I love to create a character and kind of like make Watch him make better. a story yeah. about him. Right. And all of the faces and the customization like options looked unbelievable. Right. Got me really excited. And that just to be able to hop in with my friends on like a weekend night and just to go out and either play multiplayer against other people, do quests, just run around and do a raid. Mm-hmm. It, it it and it is combining. Awesome game mechanics that we've seen in games like Borderlands. You have seamless multiplayer like we've seen in Dark Souls. You have Bungie, who is just one of the greatest developers out there. And then you also have just slick-looking graphics, you know. Okay. So Bungie is going to do this one for Microsoft. No, no, this is... <laughs> I thought you just said you have Bungie, who's one of the sickest. Exactly, and and this is a th- it's coming to both consoles. They're third oh, party okay. now. Yeah, okay. they're not owned anymore. Okay, well, uh, I mean, when I think about this game, I don't really know what it'll be, but I kind of think of something that like I almost think of like Gran Turismo Five meets Oblivion or something. Yeah, like, it, yeah. And instead of cars, it's just an RPG. You yeah, know? and then you have a world to explore, and yeah, and that's the thing is it's actually kind of hard to explain, which is what is exciting about it. Okay, well, cool, man. Yeah, I uh, I'm looking forward to it too. Uh, yeah, again, I don't really know much to. I'm sure you, you'll it, be able to watch a lot of it. Yeah, I'm sure, well, I'm sure I'll hear Chase in the other room screaming about it at some point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, that's all the news we have. So let's go ahead and take a quick break. We'll be right back. Beat up up. This is Witty Banter. Don't forget to follow us at Witty Banter Show on Twitter and shoot an email over to wittybantershow at gmail.com. Okay, moving right along, we have had some time to really think about this beer and uh, we're going to give a little halftime exposition on it. You know, I've been putting our finger on it. Yeah, and in it too. <laughs> Which really helps. Really helps with the flavoring. Uh. So I want to open up by saying that a lot of this banana, quote unquote, banana bread flavor um, isn't coming through for me anymore. That's surprising because I was going to say the opposite. But really, I mean, for me, it's like it's losing it. Like I just kind of taste a typical ale with a little bit of flavoring. Like it doesn't have like an over, um, like an over abundant malt flavor. The nose doesn't really smell like, I mean... See, I smell straight up banana on the nose, especially since it's opened up a lot more. It smells like banana bread, but then the smell is not indicative of the flavor for me right now. Okay. See, I might say that, I might say a little bit differently. I mean, I think that when I put my nose to that's it... that's okay. For somebody who has bad smelling, for me to be able to smell this, it means it's coming through for me. <laughs> you know, it really okay. is. It's punching me. So... I smell it a lot. When I taste it, you know, again, it's opened up a lot more, so it's a little bit uh, warmer. When I taste it, I do get that banana bready feel. I think that... It doesn't linger. Right. Um, it's Again, it's kind of a short taste profile. Um, I don't think that the... I don't think that... I think that the fact that it's a banana bread beer, you're not like, ugh, this is banana bread and it's kind of alcoholic. You know, it's it's... It's again. I still think it's like a solid beer with a little bit of that flavoring. Yeah. So I still like it. I still. Uh, I don't necessarily know a situation. I kind of want to be able to put a situation that I might try this on. Um, I mean, the situation is a bunch of knuckleheads want to buy a crazy flavored beer, and this one right isn't really delivering for me. <laughs> okay, so you're already kind of uh, sloping. I'm sloping dude. against it. It's a slippery one. Okay, too. well I'm gonna stick stick true. I still kind of like it. It's okay. still it's still refreshing to me, and it's 
I still find it kind of sessionable for me. I mean, yeah, it's easy to drink. We've been having a good session so far anyway. So. Okay, so for our game segment today, we're actually going to do a new one. This game is going to be called Dramatic Reading. This is a dramatic reading. Oh, yeah. And the concept of dramatic reading is... Hunter or myself will provide a text to the other, and that person has to read said text in a dramatic voice. <laughs> Whatever voice they choose, um, we'll, I'll probably prompt them. I'll probably give them the voice like a day in advance. That way they can practice it a little bit, <laughs> and we'll just see how goofy we can get it. Hopefully it'll be funny for everyone listening yeah. because, uh, yeah, we would like it. We would like the, for the dramatic irony to, to be whelping you. So, what we're going to go with today, um, I've got something for Hunter. Okay. And yeah. Hunter is going to read a brief <laughs> synopsis of Transformers 4, Age of Extinction, <laughs> in the voice of Harry Carey. For those of you who don't know who Harry Carey, there's a huge uh, Will Ferrell sketch, or a few Will Ferrell sketches where he did this guy. He used to be the Chicago Cubs announcers, like... 20, 30 years ago, and he just had like this outrageous voice. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I guess I will be reading the Transformers synopsis from IMDb. Or Rotten Tomatoes, I guess. So, start whenever you'd like, Hunter. <laughs> Transformers! Age of Extinction! <laughs> this movie begins with an epic battle. <laughs> Left a great city torn, but with the world saved. You know, as humanity picks up the pieces, a shadowy group reveals itself <laughs> in an attempt to control the direction of history with a tall, cool Budweiser. <laughs> While an ancient, powerful new menace sets Earth in its crosshairs. Can you imagine? Well, with the help of Mark Wahlberg, Optimus Prime, and the Autobots, Rise to meet the most fearsome challenge yet. <laughs> this looks like it's going to be a close one. <laughs> in an incredible adventure, they're swept up in a war of good and evil. Ultimately leading to a climactic battle across the world. <laughs> Coming out, well, it doesn't matter. You'll probably see it anyway. <laughs> Thanks and good night. Oh, my God. Well done. <laughs> That's about as good as I got. I think it's so funny <laughs> that they said, like, from a new cast of humans, and then instead of putting the character's name, Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> Thanks to the help of Mark Wahlberg, <laughs> yeah. humanity will live on. It was like I was telling Hunter, too. Every, like, every time I saw anything for this movie, I instantly thought of South Park's um, <laughs> sarcastic movie previews. Where Optimus Prime rides a T-Rex, and he has a sword. Coming June something. <laughs> Rip Schneider is a steeply. <laughs> yeah. Well, great job on the dramatic reading, Hunter. Thank you. Um, I hope that y'all were like not just grimacing listening to that on the other side of this, but yeah. So we're going to go ahead and go and hop on to um, Nick's Mail Corner and check the mail real quick. It's Nick's Mail Corner! Oh! Why don't we even check anymore? 
I don't know. I you know, that's a good question. Maybe Why our mailbox isn't out in front of our house or something. Like is maybe, our mailbox opening properly? I don't think or? they can find it because nobody emails. Even the person who this is named after doesn't email yeah. us anymore. Nick. We're abandoned. Where are you at, bro? Max doesn't email. Max doesn't My email. My friends from Germany don't email. You know what? I'm just going to like pay a service to email us or something. I'm, I'm going to outsource I'm, our I'm emails. I'm going to create fake email addresses <laughs> and send them to the show. Be- I mean, I am... It's like nobody has any questions that they want answered or anything. It's it's frustrating. It's really just... But that's okay. We still love you and we do it anyway. It's lethargic, but we appreciate your <laughs> your lack of support. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate your lack of support. We still love Witty you, Witty banter fans. trademark. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I guess that all, the, all that leaves is for us to put a number on this beer and um, to head out of here. Okay. Well... Um, why don't you go first with your, with your numbering? Okay. So I think when you buy a beer that is named for the flavor it's going to be, you should get more of that flavor. I don't think this should be a banana bread scented ale. You know, I think this Mm. should be an in your face eating a chunk of banana bread kind of beer. Okay. That being said, it is a little easy to drink and it's not the worst thing I ever have. I've ever had, but coming to terms with what I expected and what I got, I'm going to give this beer a five. You're going to give this beer five. It's got a five. It's okay. I mean, we were uh, we were kind of stretching on trying this beer out, anyways. I'm going to give it a little bit better. I'm going to give it a six point five. I think that it is. You're going to equate it with the one we had last week? Yeah. I mean, considering that they're two completely different beers, um, I think that they provide the same amount of utility for what I was looking for at those times. I think that. This for me, whenever I whenever I bought this banana bread beer and I was like looked at it, it's five point two percent alcohol. I'm like, well, I want this to be a light, enjoyable experience. I don't want it to overwhelm me with the with the flavor that they're talking about with the banana bread. And I think it did just that. I mean, I understand that you felt a little bit underwhelmed by it. I thought it gave a little bit more of an appropriate um, uh, set of flavors and 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 you know, kind of what I was expecting. So yeah, a six point five will do for me. I, I, it's not something that I'm just over the you know, over the top about, but if somebody was trying to find some new beer and they joked about maybe trying that, I'd be like, you know what? I actually tried that. It wasn't as bad as you might think. I think it was pretty good. If you want to try it, do it. Okay. Fair enough. Absolutely. All right. So that's the official stamps, the of our numbers there. So uh, that's all we have for the show today. Um, kind of of a short show. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Um, if you want to, I guess we'll go ahead and do the, the <laughs> plug diarrhea real fast. <laughs> so if you want to f- listen to the show, consume it in every way, we are on iTunes. You just type in Witty Banter Podcast. There you can hit subscribe, and every new episode will show up automatically in your download queue. Um, we are also on Facebook. We are Witty Banter. Um, we're Facebook.com slash Witty Banter Show. Uh, you can follow us. No, we are slash Witty Banter Podcast. My mistake. On Facebook, yes. Witty Banter Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter. We are at Witty Banter Show. And then if you would like to not email us, you can find <laughs> our email address at wittybantershow at gmail.com. Yep. I myself on Twitter am at Bodacious Chase. Hunter is at Diesel Dorset. Mm-hmm. And that is basically every little nook and cranny you can get us at. <laughs> also, well, we we actually do have our own website as well, right? Wittybannershow.com. Dot com. Yeah. yeah. If you don't like iTunes and you want to download the episode there, you can also pick right. it up. Yeah, it's a nice little uh, private home of our podcast. So yeah. 
Um, but thank you guys for listening, and hopefully you got a few laughs and learned a few things. And uh... Better.